0: Good morning everybody. I'd like to welcome each one this morning and we're happy to have Pastor Mike with us this morning. I had an email from uh, Pastor David and Pastor Nadine this morning and it says this is our first pastor email to the O'Leary Nazarene family. At the moment we only have a few names but I'm looking to add more each week. Emails will be one of the ways in which Pastor Nadine and I can stay connected now. Some of you have given me your email addresses this morning. If there's anybody that hasn't given it to me, you can give it to me after church and I'll see that he gets them. Uh, next Sunday, we have Pastor Nadine and Pastor Annette from the Charlottetown Church. And then the next Sunday, the 18th, we have Pastor Dave and Pastor Nadine. And we're going to have a barbecue and potluck after, so keep that in mind. We'll be looking for food. <laughs> and Pastor Not. Nadine and I will be in O'Leary every Thursday during the month of September at the church at 10 a.m. until noon, he was here last week until noon, and uh, we had a great time, that's if you want to come and meet him, and we'll have coffee and prayer together and fellowship, and he said, the Lord is guiding our steps as we move closer to being with you on a regular basis, as of September the 1st, a home has been secured for us, close to one, really done I don't know why that's what it we, did, we were able to get an apartment and do a roll into the so that's wonderful. Because that will never, ever, ever happen before. Before those apartments are empty, there's somebody ready to come in. <laughs> so that was fortunate. That was the Lord working, I think. praying and believing in God for new beginnings in our church. And then there's a ladies' Bible study tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Right? Okay. Yeah. That's your announcements.
1: to be with you again it's been kind of regular in the last few months i want to start off the service with a call to worship from the prophetic book of isaiah which ties in with the message a little bit later on our service so it comes from chapter 42 verse 16 and the prophet isaiah says i will lead the blind by ways they have not known along the unfamiliar paths i will guide them i will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray this prayer together. It's a prayer invoking the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, ancient prayer of the church was just, Come Holy Spirit. And they waited for the Holy Spirit. So if we have the next slide before us, that if you desire to pray with me as I lift up his name, and pray for his presence to be with us. Come Holy Spirit to my mind, I receive your comfort. Come Holy Spirit to my heart, I receive your peace. Come Holy Spirit to my soul, I receive the Father's love for me. Father, as we come today, we come with thanksgiving in our hearts for all that you have given to us. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of sight that you have given us, that we can see you, Lord, high and lifted up like Isaiah did. And we can cry with him, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So come, Holy Spirit, and minister to us in this time that we have set aside on this Sunday morning, this Sabbath day, for us to encounter you, to hear from you, and to respond to you. Come, Holy Spirit.
2: Open the eyes of my heart. i
1: Next song before the message. And I uh, don't know. We still have uh, altar prayer at our church in Almsdale, and then it seems that since the pandemic, people have been afraid of coming to the altar and lifting up their families' needs. So as we sing this song, I invite you to come and speak to the Lord. Not to me, not to anyone else, but speak to the Lord and pour out your heart. Maybe you need that work of the Holy Spirit that you would hunger for what He hungers for that you long to see what He sees and a freshened feeling of the Holy Spirit that would lead us into the things of His kingdom. Because He knows who we are. And that's what this little chorus talks about. I have a to you in this time of prayer, Lord. Lift up the needs, O Lord, of the local church and all that needs to be, O Lord, ironed out and worked out and pray, O Lord, for the leading of the Holy Spirit that we'll become more like the one who called us, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the living God, the God who has poured out his Spirit upon all flesh, men and women alike, and called them to follow him. We lift up, O Lord, our world to you, And you have called us to be witnesses, martyrs, for the world at large, O Lord, so that they might know you. You have sent us, O Lord, as you call us, O Lord, in the Gospel of John to abide in you and through you and to go as you have been sent into the world, O Lord, and be light in the darkness. Be life where there is death, O Lord. Be understanding where there is misunderstanding. Bring love where there is hate. Would you make us channels of your peace, we pray, O oh Father, as we lift up the war-torn areas like the Ukraine and Russia and the ongoing battles in Syria and the battles in the, in the continent of Africa and, and Lord, in the, in the eastern worlds, uh, Lord, wars that we never hear about on our news. The struggles in South America, Lord, the wars in our neighborhoods and suburbs in North America, Lord, sometimes we think we are not at war, and every week people are at war, Lord, just by the calculation of the deaths that we hear on our news stations, O God. So we pray, O God, that you have called us into these places, not to build a wall of protection that we do not go into those places, but you've called us to go into those places and declare that Jesus is King and Lord, and let them see an example of what it means to be a safe person, a follower of the risen one. So Lord, as we come now and pray that you will be with us at the time as we open up your scripture, as we look at a passage that deals with the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah, that when the spirit of the sovereign Lord comes upon this one chosen to be the Messiah, that the blind will see. Open our eyes, I pray, O God, and by your Holy Spirit that we can truly be a united body of Christ today. For your sake and for the sake of the world, we pray in Jesus' holy, majestic, and awesome name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to be going to Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. You can turn to your Bibles and just keep it there as we will slowly and surely get to that point where we will read that passage together. We're going to look at a man that refused to be silent. These crowds tried to silence him, people are trying to silence him, but he refused to be silent. So we have the people of, of uh, God, the followers of Jesus, and they've been on a journey since Mark chapter 8, and now we're in Mark chapter 10. And they reach Jericho, and in Jericho, and an interruption takes place. The interrupter, the one causing the commotion, in the story is a blind beggar who cries out for mercy. The words of the blind beggar have turned into part of the tradition of the Orthodox Church, the Russian, the Greeks and other various forms of our church. And it's called the Jesus Prayer. And it's very simple. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And throughout the day, it's what we call a centering prayer that they repeat often so that they will turn their spirits inward and focus on Jesus. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Very much it's a it's a copy or not a copy, but it flows from the tradition of the psalmist, who always cries out for mercy always cries out for the mercy of God, you know? And uh, I remember one of my friends, as we traveled through the city of Toronto and all the condominiums, it's only by the mercy of God we are who we are. I think sometimes Peter is right, that we have forgotten that once we were a people without mercy. So as we enter into mercy, we're to remember the people without mercy and bring that message. So this cry is very important for the Church of Jesus Christ to remember the theme and the topic of mercy. Mercy. See, the blind man has been hearing of the miracles of Jesus and his teaching. His cry addresses Jesus as the Messiah. He doesn't say, Jesus, Son of God. He says, Jesus, Son of David. So he identifies him as the Messiah, the one that has been promised, uh, prophesied by the prophets and the people of Israel throughout the years, decades, centuries, millenniums, before Jesus came into the scene. But it's also important in the Gospel of Mark because when you go to chapter eight in Mark's Gospel, it's that question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And it was Peter that got the revelation, not from his own intelligence, but through the Father, that he is the Christ, the Messiah. That's what the Christ means, it just means the Messiah, the one that was promised from ages ago. And before that, there was the healing of another blind man that needed two touches. So we see these passages from 8 to 10, from chapter 8 to chapter 10 in the Gospel of Mark that starts with a blind healing and ends with a blind healing before Jesus enters into Jerusalem, first triumphal entry, which we celebrate as Palm Sunday. There is a plot developing, and Mark writes with the story in mind. It's not just pick a verse and keep that verse and talk about that verse. There is a story, and we need to follow the story that Mark has plotted out for us. So we're at the end of chapter ten, and Jesus entourage is getting ready to go to Jerusalem. We have that interruption from a from this blind man, and he's living in darkness. Some of your versions will say that he will see again at the end. We're not there yet, but I'll, I'll let that out now that. Not all versions say he can see again, so that supposes that he was once a person who could see, right, but now he's living in darkness. Uh, the question that we need to ask ourselves as we read this gospel is, have you ever been interrupted by someone who wouldn't be quiet when you were busy and ready to move on in life? So you're busy, and you have like your little boy tugging at your pants, trying to get your attention, and you're trying to shush him away, Right? We always do that, right? Or some people at work that you don't want around and you try to get them out of the way. Most people don't like interruptions. Right? And if you really like interruptions and you're really honest before the Lord, then you should say an amen. An amen. If you don't, don't say an amen. Okay? We don't welcome interrupters well as human beings. But Jesus welcomes interrupters. The blind man, anticipating the generosity of pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem, sits by, as a beggar by the roadside in Jericho. And he's crying out to Jesus. He's crying out to Jesus. What I want to read right now is the passage for us. So, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Hear, hear, not hear, but hear the word of the Lord. So he's not just an interrupter. He's a loud interrupter. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing, I think I missed out, Jesus stopped and called, said, call him. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So Jesus welcomes interruptions. The disciples want to get this guy out of the way. You know, they're full of impatience because they want to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. They got no time for interruption. Remember they tried to get the children out of the way and Jesus says, suffer not the little children, but let them come unto me. It's the same type of episode happening in this story as well. They want to get going. There isn't time for distraction. There isn't time for disturbance. The group is focused on the journey, not on helping the blind man. The last thing they want to do is to be detained by a mere blind beggar. See, the ancient world, the plan man, even in today's when you go and see the beggars along the streets of our big cities, they're totally dependent on others for charity. There was no government handouts in those days, okay? That's a modern phenomenon, rarely modern, less than 100 years old, that the government actually took care of its people, right? So nobody could take care of him. He needed money from the crowd. And the only way to do that was to beg for money in alms, which was part of the Torah of the people of Israel. So he was one of society's what we call expendables. We don't need him, right? Let's just forget about him, get him out of the way. But what's really important in this passage today, and in light of the other healings of the Gospel of Mark, is that we have his name. Most of the people that were healed in the Gospel of Mark, they are not named. Their parents are named, their friends are named, their buddies are, are named, some of them is just their buddies, uh, and, but they're not named. But this guy has a name, and his name is Bartimaeus, which if we put a line between Bar and Timaeus, Bar means the son of Timaeus. He's got a name. We just sang, he knows my name, he knows my every thought, he sees each tear that falls. He has a name, and Mark gives him a name. The community of Jericho knows the blind man well as well, because that's where he does his begging. He probably has interrupted them many times in the past, begging for arms, and suddenly he begins to shout that, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. See, the disciples, along with the crowd, rebuke this guy. <laughs> they don't want him to shout. They don't want him to get Jesus' attention. They don't want to hear his words. Just stay away. Be quiet. I don't want to hear you. But that doesn't stop him. He shouts even more. The more you tell me to be quiet, the louder I'm going to get. And I'm Italian, so I'm pretty loud, right? And this is not loud yet. <laughs> it took a while for my wife to get used to it when she came to visit us in our home because we, I, we, our voices I reach a different decibel than what she's accustomed to. But everything's okay. Just because we talk loud doesn't mean we're at odds with each other. So, Mark writes that he shouted all the more. Remember, this man is in the dark. He's desperate. He's at a breaking point. He can't take it anymore. And he knows that Jesus the healer, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Son of David, is just around the corner. So how dare you tell him to stop speaking, to start, stop shouting. So Jericho was also a place where many priests would reside in those days. The townspeople would have known the rules about behaving a certain way. Even for a beggar, he was out of line. <laughs> you know, you, you have to kind of be cowering yourself and say, can I have some money? you see, beggars, right? Can I? None, none of them really shouted at you, come on, drop a toonie in here. No, they tried to be kind to you, right? But this guy, he's gone beyond that. He's lost all his manners, and he's badgering not only the crowd and the disciples of Jesus, but he's badgering everyone that is traveling by him that day. But he's at that breaking point. He's at that point of desperation, of urgency, and he needs to get the son of David's attention. All right? You know, we like to help the poor, or we like to, rather to tolerate the poor, as long as they don't become too demanding, right? I worked for six years in compassionate ministry, and some of the volunteers that came in were great, but some of them, they forgot that we were there for them, right? And they begin to just tolerate them instead of loving them and caring for them. But Bar- Bartimaeus oversteps, or Bar- Bartimaeus oversteps as this social register with his loud appeals for mercy, and he becomes a nuisance. He becomes a nuisance. Do you ever know anybody who's a nuisance? You know, why usually you say the husband? The husband says the wife. You know, but that's, that's not really it. When we were ministering in, in Switzerland, there was a guy named Eric. And he was quite a character. He would come into the service and he would speak his mind. It doesn't matter where you were in the order of worship, singing a song, preaching a message, praying. He would speak up and interrupt you. So one Sunday night, as we that was our custom for our English-speaking services, because we had services in German. We didn't preach at all of them, of course. We have German, Italian, Yugoslavian, and Spanish services in a little place in Switzerland called Schaffhausen. But that night, during the English service, this Eric fellow comes in and stops us in the middle of the message. And he says, you know, today I was asking God how I can see him, and God says, Go to the church, and through them, you will see me. Here's a guy that maybe some people would say he has mental health or whatever, but he was right on, right on. So don't push away because of interruptions. People that God might use, and the whole place understood that he was truthful, and everybody else tried to get him out of the place or get him quiet and pushed into a corner and behaving himself. But anyway, we are not to push the interrupters away. We're supposed to listen to them like Jesus did. So Bartimaeus is, the, is a model for bold persistence. And now that Jesus is within the sound of his voice, he's not about to give up asking for a miracle. Some of us know that old hymn, does Jesus care? Right? Bartimaeus well, he would answer that prayer. Yes, he cares. I know he cares. His grief is touched by my, his heart is touched by my grief, right? When the days are weary, the long nights weary, I know my Savior cares. Do you know that today? Do you really deep within you know that Jesus cares for you? This guy knew, so he knew it full well. He could even sing, it's well with my soul, as he screams at the top of his lungs for Jesus' attention. So Bartimaeus is fixed on Jesus, even though he cannot see him yet. Yet. He cannot see him yet. This is the pivotal point in the Gospel of Mark for the next chapter. As I mentioned before, he's going to enter into Jerusalem. He's already told the disciples three times that he's going to the cross, he's going to die. He's also told them to pick up their cross, deny themselves, and follow him. So this is all coming to the climax of the story of King Jesus here as we move along. But what we hear there is that while the crowd is trying to silence Jesus, Jesus silenced the crowd, and gets them to go call Bartimaeus. These people that, that, that really couldn't stand that interruption, Jesus gives them a job now, go speak to the one who's been disrupting us and tell him to come to me.
0: Isn't it amazing how all,
1: their attitude changes? All of a sudden, the one that they tried to ignore, the one that they said, you know, big watch, all of a sudden when Jesus said, hey, go, speak to them, they stop. Oh, in other words, Jesus hears, Jesus sees, Jesus stops, and Jesus responds at this moment. And he tells the disciples to go there and get him, and he throws his cloak to the ground, and he makes his way to Jesus. I think, you know, well, I'll ask you a question. How many times do we ignore hitchhikers or beggars on the streets of our downtown cities crying for mercy? They don't deserve it. They need to get a job, you know? I've heard good Christians give these excuses, right? Passage challenges to see beyond appearance and respond in a way that acknowledges each person's value and need for God's mercy. I mean, the church has been slow in putting ramps and elevators and like that. We're on the ball now, but that at the beginning, it took a while to do that. I remember one of the first churches when we came back from ministry in Europe and in Italy, that we had in a small rural area, and one lady was brought in by the disability transit uh, that was in Hamilton, Ontario at that time, and she would be wheeled in, and it was one of those churches that had steps going up, and then to the sanctuary, and she could only stay at the bottom, winter, spring, summer, or fall, and it was cold. It was cold in the wintertime down there, and she would have two or three blankets over. All she could see when I preached or when the people were leading worship was the top of our heads. It took us a while before somebody got smart, and said, let's make a ramp so that she can worship with us in the sanctuary, not at the bottom of the stairs somewhere. I mean, that happened in a lot of churches. Some people didn't even bring their, their, their family members that had disabilities to church because of that. This lesson and this passage tells us that we need to be aware of the people with disabilities, and God is calling us to minister to them. Bartimaeus is not a nuisance for Jesus. Jesus sees something in this man that he calls faith. I wonder, at this point, what keeps us from approaching Jesus? Right? Do we lack trust in Jesus? Do we lack confident faith in Jesus? We can assemble Sunday by Sunday watching him listening to the gospel of King Jesus never once raising our voices, our expectation that anything that, that could happen that could unclothe us. What is the cloak that you are hanging on to? Like Linus's blanket, let go of it! Right? See, that cloak that Bartimaeus had was his life. It kept him warm at night. He could stretch it out on the ground, and that's where the people would drop their money, he could wrap it up and count his money when there was all over begging and all that stuff. What is the thing that outclothes us and puts a spring into our, can, can it outclothe us and put a spring into our lethargic worship. Perhaps we're so prim and proper because we feel the congregation would tell us to be quiet, <laughs> right? We don't do those things here. Well, if you study our history a bit, you would know that part of our history is known as being shouters at times. I don't say everybody has to do, but at least there's got to be somebody in the crowd. Usually I am not of them in the crowd say Hallelujah! Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me."
2: Don't you love
1: Jesus enough to just once in a while be a fool for him, right? Thank God for this boisterous, blind, beggar named Bartimaeus, who refused to be silent because his heart was crying out for the mercy of God. Have You ever done that lately? Cry out for the mercy of God for what you have done Not what everybody else has done, but what you have done. As one pastor recently said, you know, when we pray for healing, we say, take cancer away, take, you know, uh, brain tumor away, take this away, take that away. He says, just go to Jesus. He knows your problem. Fix your eyes on him, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look right into his face, and let those other problems be left to him to take care of. You follow me? Because when we're looking at the problems instead of Jesus the solver of problems, we live in those problems instead of being delivered from those problems. Jesus asked a very important question that we all need to ask. Mark said that Jesus said to that blind man, what do you want me to do for you? Not that what you want him to do for the church, what you want him to do for your son or your grandson or your great-grandson or your brother or your sister, on and on and on. What do you want him to do for you? Very pointed. Very pointed. It needs a lot of concentration, a lot of focus. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Direct as well. You know, that's the same question that he had to ask the sons of Thunder, John and James, the sons of Zebedee. Remember, just a little bit earlier on in the same chapter, what do you want me to do for you? And what did they say? Oh, I want, I want to be at center stage. I want all the glory. I want status. I want prestige. I want that, Lord. Wrong question. This man says, I want to see. Simple. I don't want status. I don't want privilege. I don't want glory because the glory is to the Lord and our our Savior, Jesus Christ. Same question, but different answer. The Pharisees talked about the The rich man wanted to know, how do I get eternal life? But the most important question that all of us can face and have to handle is, what do you want Jesus to do for you? What? You need to answer that. You need to get on your knees and go to him. This blind man wants to see, wants to see. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see you like Isaiah. I want to see you like Moses in the burning bush. I want to see the Lord. It's not about our narcissistic selves, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about seeing the Lord, the one of glory and honor and might and blessing. I like what Frederick Dale Bruner says. He suggests that Jesus wants more than to be on call for emergency medical requests. He wants a conversation, a relationship. In our human cry for mercy, Jesus asks us to articulate the real need, the real desire. What is your real need and desire today? Well, Jesus sees something in this blind man Does he see something in you? Ask the pointed questions. This is a plot that Mark is writing for you and for me to respond to. Not something that took place thousands of years ago, but something that's taking place in every one of our lives. What do you want him to do for you? Jesus sees the confident trust that this blind beggar has in Jesus. Mark says that Jesus said the following words, Go your faith has healed you. So Jesus seemed faith in him, immediately he received his sight, and he followed Jesus on the road. There's no two stage healing for this blind, like, or as in Mark chapter 8, there's not even a gesture. Jesus says, Go, go. Your faith has healed you. How many times have we read that through the gospel stories and not stopped enough? to take it into our hearts and our spirits of what God wants to do for us. See, what this story tells us, and it's throughout the Gospel of Mark, is that healing comes to those who are persistent and are not quickly discouraged by whatever hurdles others may place in their way. Applying for immigration status and all the red tape you've got to go through, and then you're almost through the door, and bingo, they send you back again. I mean, we've been there. We've been there. Our political system and what we do and how we want to invite people in, it's, it's not smooth, but you need to be persistent. You need to be on your journey to receive what you are longing for. How many people want to see Jesus so desperately that they will ignore the put-downs of the crowd to secure that beautiful vision of Jesus? You can't speak. You can't say that. You have no place here. How many times have you heard that? But this guy's not giving up, and neither should we give up. Faith is open to all, and often, like in our story, it's the most unexpected, unexpected people who seems to have it strong. <laughs> I mean, that Syrophoenician woman, well, she wasn't even an Israelite, you know, and she came to Jesus. So we have Bartimaeus, right, blind, begging by the side road in Jericho, the people of Jesus want to get going, want to hush this guy, want him to stop. He's speaking more and more, louder, 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 louder until he gets Jesus' attention. And then Jesus touched him, and now we can see, just like that Jimmy Cliff song, right? I can see clearly now the rain has gone, right? I can see all the obstacles in my way. It's going to be a bright, bright, shiny day. He got it. He got it. Jesus doesn't want us to walk in darkness. He doesn't want us to be overcome by darkness. He overcame death and darkness for our sake and for our health as well. There's a saying that says, he who hesitates is lost. This guy wouldn't hesitate. He knew when it was his advantage. You know, many times over the years as a pastor, you heard, oh, maybe next week I'll, I'll make a move to the altar, or maybe next week I'll come to the Bible study, or maybe next week I'll do this, or maybe next week I'll do that. Hesitation, 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 you know, just lethargic, lethargic, lethargic. The Bible never speaks about hesitating and leaving things for today for tomorrow. It talks about seizing the day. (laughs) It talks about the Lord is here. Today, if you hear his voice, not tomorrow. Today, if you hear his voice, you need to respond to him. Oh, maybe he'll come and show up next week. Or maybe in three weeks when Pastor and so is here, right? Then he'll show up. No, today he's here. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to their lives today. We find in Mark's Gospel, already alluded to that earlier on, about people that came to Jesus and were determined that there wouldn't be silenced. Not only this blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, but the Syrophoenician woman on behalf of her daughter kept on going to Jesus. And when the Jesus, Jesus kind of hushed her away, kind of, until she was persistent, you know, and said, even the crumbs are good. And then Jesus said, "Well, this woman's got faith, right? She wasn't hesitating. She knew that that day was the day that she needed to speak to Jesus. It's seen in the healing of Jairus' dead child despite the mockery of the mourners that Jesus is unable to raise the dead. Remember what they said when Jairus went to Jesus? Oh, she's dead. Don't bug him. He can't do anything. But what did Jesus do? He went and said, Talitha, come, rise up, little child. And she came up from the dead. And the friends, the four buddies, right? We don't know their name. We don't know the man's name that was paralyzed on that mat. And there they are. They even cut a hole in the roof. Oh, how will the church like that interruption on Sunday morning? Somebody drop somebody from the roof right in the middle and say, in the name of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Take your mat and go home. Go home. The leopard and the woman with the flow of blood that disregarded the laws of the day and fought their way to touch Jesus even the hem of his garment. If I can only touch it. You see the desperation that Mark is plotting for us in the humanity that we need to touch Jesus and we need to ask him for sight to see who he is and what he means to us. A desperate father must overcome his doubt that Jesus can do anything to help his tormented son when the disciples have already failed. Remember that? I believe but help me overcome my beliefs. Jesus knows our struggles with doubt. He knows that Who are fooling. What do you want me to do for you? Is the cry of Jesus to us today. Healing comes to those who are persistent, my friends. People who are not discouraged by the hurdles. So, I leave you with the question of Jesus. I leave myself with that question even as a retired pastor never really retired how could you stop preaching the word of the lord and singing praises to his name just a different way of ministry now i get to go wherever people call me for better or for worse i might be loud and boisterous at times, time but it's all for god's glory i don't need center stage anymore i just need to see jesus in my life and in your life at work in love and in peace and in joy That is the most important question God ever asked any of his people. What do you want me to do for you? What's your answer? How do you respond to Jesus? We're gonna save the final song for this morning. But I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you. When people interrupt you in life, don't just switch them away, stop for a moment. People that have disabilities, try to figure out a ministry that you can help these people instead of complaining about these people, like the crowd and the disciples. And maybe every day for a week or so, put that question on your, on your fridge. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And then answer him truthfully. Amen. Father, we thank you for your truth that is found in your word. We thank you for Mark and the way he has plotted that story. We thank you, O Lord, that you give sight to the blind and you give light to those in darkness and you bring healing to those who ask of God. In Jesus' name, we pray. We're going to sing an old song. And maybe some of you need that touch. I invite you to, again, the altars are here. You can go and you can speak to Jesus yourself. He touched me, oh, He touched me, and oh, the
2: joy that was.
1: thank you for your touch. We thank you for your spirit who brings comfort to our mind, our hearts, our souls. We open up our spirits, we open up our lives for your love to flow into Lord. The love that never fails. The love that has no regrets and doesn't count once. The love that was written and read on the cross of Calvary. Lord, may we continually knock on Heaven's door, knowing that you are our faithful Father and you will respond accordingly, O God. Lord, may we be haunted by that question, by your Spirit, what do you want me to do for you? May we be honest in our response, and may we receive whatever you have, and may we go as the blind man following you to the Jerusalems, the scenarios, the ends of the earth that are before us as we have been equipped for the mission of the kingdom of God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Receive his benediction. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his beautiful face towards you and give you his shalom. Go in the peace of the Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.